gangsters, but I think they're maybe racist Just because I'm human, they don't want my help It seems it doesn't really matter if your superpowers fire and shoot a melt I tried to join the Justice League, but Batman was a douche to me And Black Canary wouldn't tell me hi And plastic measures to a middle finger that was 30 stories high I got a message from the Great Lakes event Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Longbox Cast. Yes, it's been a while, it's been a long time, uh, but yes, I have a guest host today. Um, I want to welcome uh, Vice President and uh, Co-Founder of Comic Care. Of course, if you don't know what Comic Care is, uh, Eric will go ahead and definitely tell you about it, but I am talking about also Co-Founder, you're also another Co-Founder of 4 Eye Radio Network, uh, Eric Dewey is on the show. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome, Eric. What is going on? Um, I'm trying to think. Is this is this your first uh, Longbox episode, or have we done one before? I think this is the first time I've been on Longbox with you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't think. I think we had planned originally, uh, maybe back when the Marvel uh, Netflix series first started, to try to do some, but we just never got to it with uh with all the my moving and all that stuff so yeah yeah there's been a lot we've been we've been doing a lot of moving around (laughs) (laughs) yeah i moved out here to uh adjective toledo ohio and that's where i'm uh coming to you from right now uh but it's it's been fun actually what i just realized what we could also do is we could probably since i'll be flying out to ohio next month uh, not only could we do a socially awkward episode uh, from from the uh, uh, the East Coast uh, studio, but we could also okay. probably on Saturday do a long box cast episode and talk about the the little con we're going to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it's actually uh, because today's the first. It's actually this month. It's it's coming up quicker than you think. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So I actually thank you for reminding me because I know I have to go into work and make sure I can leave two hours early on Thursday so I can actually make the flight I need to get to. But yeah, I got to make sure I check in on Wednesday. And then, yeah, that's going to be some fun time. Um, I'm really hoping for some nice, cool weather because I'm looking to bust out maybe a hoodie uh, or whatnot. So that'd be kind of fun to have a nice little be like, oh, because I've been getting like all these nice hoodies from loot wear and shit like that. I'm like, I can't wear them yet. So... <laughs> Yeah, Phoenix, you get like what that like two, three weeks maybe of uh, hoodie weather, and that's about it. Um, I don't know for sure if it'll be hoodie weather or not. It's been it's been kind of weird the last couple of weeks. We've had uh, days that have been still in the nineties, and of course here it's nineties with like eighty five percent humidity, which means it's just miserable. Ooh, yeah, that does not sound. But maybe I don't want to come. That were you know in the seventies and in the mornings it was you know in the fifties sixties. So it's like it just depends. Um, but yeah, we still got a couple of weeks before uh, you'll be out here, so it might cool off. Um, at the very least, you know, like at the time that you're coming in and going out, it's going to be early enough in the day and late enough at night that you'll probably want that hoodie at least. Okay. So you won't need a jacket. Yeah, no. I, I, well, the only like I have like one jacket um, that's not really like a heavy jacket. Um, in fact, I'm very curious how that thing's going to fit now um, since of all this weight loss I'm be- I've been doing. But uh, yeah, no, I have a yeah, no, I'll definitely I have this God of War hoodie that I got with the God of War box, and it's just really it's really kind of interesting, and it's cool because it has like this. Okay, so you know how hoodies have those pockets, mm-hmm. so it has those pockets, but then there's another pocket built into one of the pockets, and it's like perfect to put my vape in. I'm like, this is amazing, you know. So, 
I was like, I'm like, I want to wear this, you know, kind of thing. But, um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be some good times. Uh, I can't wait because I've never been to Ohio. So um, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm going to be enjoy checking out a new uh, state and all that kind of fun stuff. So yeah, um, I can't wait. It's uh, going to be awesome for me because it's the first time I've had somebody come out here. Um, you know, I've had a couple of visitors. My daughter's had a couple of visitors, but I haven't had anybody come out for me uh, specifically yet. So well, that'll be cool. And we'll have to figure out uh, what we want to do on Friday because uh, we'll have the day on Friday to, to basically do whatever, but I don't have any specific plans. Okay. Uh, then Saturday, obviously, we're uh, so we're going to go hit up the Monroe Comic Con, which is actually in Monroe, Michigan. Um, I'm in Toledo, Ohio, which is in the northwestern uh, corner of the state, like a stone's throw away from being inside of Michigan. So uh, the, the Michigan-Ohio state rivalry is very, very strong here because we are actually kind of – almost smack dab halfway between those two colleges. Oh, okay. So even if we are technically in Ohio, there are still a ton of Michigan fans here. So we get that. That rivalry uh, is a big deal down here. Okay. Uh, you walk into the Dick Sporting Goods in the mall, and uh, right in when you walk in the door, on one side, they've got all this Michigan gear, shirts and hats and all that fun stuff. And on the other side, all Although Ohio State stuff, the same exact stuff, just for Ohio State on this side. So if you're into college football, it's a good place to be because the rivalry is strong here. Uh, okay. Me, I don't care about college football in the tiniest, slightest bit. So <laughs> well, it really has no effect on me. You're but. also you're also preaching to me where I'm all like, just like yesterday I was at Chiba Hut. Some guys all like, yeah, I go and watch the football game. You like football? And I'm like, no. And he's like, all right, we'll go for the breakfast then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was an interesting conversation. We did not talk about a lot of stuff on yet last night's Sask or yeah, last night's Sasquatch. But when this release will be Wednesday, but yeah, but we did get to play a new card game. We played Super Fight. Oh, right on! Really fun. Had a good fun with that. So that's definitely something we'll be putting into the mix. But but enough about other shows and stuff like that. Uh, of course, if you're looking for the show, you go to you can go visit 4iradio.com. You can listen to the show. You can find us on 4iradio.com, Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, Zoom, Marketplace, BlackBerry Podcast, Blueberry Podcast, Mirror Guide, Double Twist, Swell Radio, Player FM, Google Play Music, Google Podcast app, and now Spotify. And, of course, if you want to get some and design – oh, we on something new? <laughs> Well, it's not uh, it's not a new platform to listen to. It's a new uh, it's not a new, but it's a uh, it's more like a kind of IMDb type site for podcasts. Oh, that's right. I got to add a new one. It's another listing, basically, where uh, I've made sure that all of our shows are listed, and you can go if you search for Four Eyed Radio and look at lists. There's a list of all of our active shows there, but also all the individual shows are listed, so you can search out your favorite show and uh, give it a like, add it to one of your lists on Podchaser, so that other people when they're searching on Podchaser, can do the same thing. So, yeah, check out Podchaser.com and uh, search 4-Eyed Radio or Longboxcast or whatever your favorite show is on the network. And uh, give, give us a like on those uh, those pages and uh, those lists. We were actually trending there for a little bit when I first set up the list and, and got the people on the network to go and like it so that we you know, get some get a start. And uh, we, we got to be tr- Trending there for a little while because we were getting so many likes all in a row. Nice. So we did it. We did it ourselves, but it still it still counts. <laughs> I'm still I'm still counting it. No, hey man, we we gotta count what we have. I mean, we've been doing this show for almost I think five years. 
you know, like doing the network and stuff like that. So, you know, we need a little street cred or whatnot. Plus, also, now I'm going to be working this weekend on getting everything ready for a new podcast that will be coming to the network and still trying to figure out. Uh, i got to talk to Sarah because I know we want to do more uh, long box cast episodes. And then I was also going to – I'll probably do that Sunday maybe, but I am going to be recording another uh, Arcade Bros, like, retrospect kind of episode until things get uh, on the way. I want to try to get more things back out there again since we've done with the move and – Everything yep. down in the studio is finally like primed and set ready to go. Yep. Yeah. Same thing here. I redid my studio here. I had it all set up, but I was having some some audio issues, and then uh, my board died, so I had to set up a new board. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm setting up a new board, I'm rewiring everything. I'm moving things around. I'm going to make it a little bit more accessible. I made it so that my area is a little smaller, but it gives more space for anybody else who comes into the studio. Um, and I rewired everything so the cable management is a lot nicer. The table I use is one of those adjustable, like, buffet tables yeah. that you can get at Costco, and it has three different height settings. And I had it on the lowest setting, which is, like, the standard table, like, eating table type setting, but I actually raised it up to the middle height, which is more like a more like you'd, you'd like have a serving table. But because I'm tall enough, it works out well for me, and I can reach everything, and it gives me more room underneath for my legs and my chair, which let me open up the studio space a little bit more because it's a it's a tight fit. I'm in the corner of a basement, you know, but I've made the best use of the space that I I can, I think. And uh, now I've got everything wired up nice. I found out that uh, I had a bad XLR cable, which was causing me some issues. I had to to replace that. Oh wow, yeah. But, yeah, it was weird. I, I guess that's why I always had one mic that if somebody had to use, I had it on the, it was the last one. It was the one we didn't use unless we absolutely had to, because I had to tweak it on the board just right and it would work, but I just had to tweak it just a little bit and to make it. And, and I didn't realize that it was the cable that was causing it until the cable completely died. Oh yeah. And it's like, Cause all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, I'm getting nothing from this mic now when I'm testing everything. And I just tested it the other day and it did work. So what's going on? And I pulled the cable out, changed the cable and, boom, it worked. So I'm like, oh, okay, bad cable. Yeah, I know. I think I have to do that too with some of these cables, like go ahead and replace them at uh, pretty, probably at a certain point because I know most of them are still working, but like the colored ones that we got, I know I have two of those that like kind of work or whatnot. Yeah, Um, those were a disappointment. I I thought those were going to be awesome because it was so easy to tell which mic was attached to which point in the board. Yeah. This is is awesome. But then they ended up being crap cables, which is like, ah. Yeah. Like the color is awesome but the cable is crap so that stinks so what i've done is i'm using you know good cables and i got myself a pack you can get it at i got it at meyer but i'm sure you could find it at walmart or target or any place like that um it's just a pack of five different colors of electrical tape it comes with a white blue green red and uh, yellow and i just put a little piece of tape around the top of each cord coming out of the board and then i've got a little piece of tape uh on the microphone cable, you know, where it meets the microphone. And I put a little spot of tape on the actual mic stands as well. So at a quick glance, I can see which mic is attached to which spot on the board. So if I need to adjust levels or something like that, like I know how I wired them. Like I wired them, mine is in number one, and then going around counterclockwise, two, three, and four. So yeah. I know that, but instead of having to think, wait, one, two, three, I can just be like, okay, green needs to come down a notch. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's real simple, real easy. And, uh, it, it definitely helps. And then I'm doing the same thing with the, with the headphones, with the headphone cords and matching them up with the mic cables. 
Oh, so that's the white mic cable. The the headphone jack also has the white cord on it, and so that I know if I need to adjust their level, you know. And I have it on the same number on the thing too, so it's like oh, number three is number three, and number two is number, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. But again, at a quick glance, especially with uh, the way I have things set up, because I have to do shows like this right now when I'm doing Skype, I have to use one of my headphone jacks to connect to the computer. Mm. And if I was doing a four-person in-person recording, I would have to unplug that computer cord and plug in the headset for that fourth mic. So, you know, I need to know to make sure, because I've got these extra cables kind of hanging around by the, the headset amp that I have to switch out depending on what I'm doing. If I'm doing a, uh, if we're doing a socially awkward, and I'm doing the broadcasting of it, means I have to have a one of the headset jacks hooked into the computer for Skype, and then another one of the headset jacks hooked into my laptop for the broadcast. So it it, it starts to get a little confusing in, in that case. But the colored tape is such a cheap and easy fix to all that confusion. So if you're out there, if you're an inspiring podcaster or recording artist of any type and you're wiring up a studio, I highly recommend some simple colored tape to help you uh, manage your cables. Um, I'm really quite pleased with how my, my setup came out when I was done with it. You know, you can't, when you walk in, you basically don't see any cables except for the ones coming directly from the board, and then they go into the table. I, I drilled a hole in the table for the cables to go into the table, and then on the other side, I've got my computer monitor and the headset amp and the recorder, and that all goes into the table there. And then everything else is wired up and zip-tied to the bottom of the table, and there's nothing hanging down, no headphone cables hanging down, nothing. I got these uh, these these hooks for the headphones that hang on the table that are really awesome, so the headphones can be neat and tidy and the, the cables can be wrapped up on it. And I'm pretty happy with it. No, no, it, it looks fantastic. Like the, the, the video you showed us over that. Now I'm just starting to believe Eric, what you need to do is you have, I just, uh, there's a new idea for a podcast where you call it this old podcast and you teach people how to, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the, you, you'll be the Bob Vila of the podcasting world. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, your setup looks really sweet. Uh, I can't actually wait to see it in person because I've only seen like the videos and stuff. Um, hopefully it does end up like a horror film where you're like, come down to my basement and then you just murder me, <laughs> um, and then come out wearing my skin. And I'm all like, what was the point of this? Um, <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I don't think you'll do that cause you'll be like, I have a friend. So you don't want to lose too many of those. Exactly. It's like, no, no, I can't kill my only friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's going to be fun. I can't wait to check that out. But, uh, enough of, enough of all that stuff, kids. Cause I know you're like, when the fuck we, Kyle and I did this all the time. We'd go off on something, then finally get back to the actual, uh, comic book stuff of the show. But of course, a lot of shows have come out. Um, of course we got season two of Jessica Jones, uh, but of yeah. course, what we'll be talking about, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Jessica Jones because um, uh, I will say this, liked it, but I still feel like the first season was like its strongest. Um, completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, season two was uh, it was a good show, but it did not have the. I mean, season one of Jessica Jones is up there on my list uh, of the top three of all the Marvel Marvel shows that have come out so far. Yeah, like I think the first season of Daredevil is still top. Kind of like the same reason that uh, the first Iron Man movie is still the top on my list for the Marvel MCU movies. Yeah, because it set the it set the path. You know, yeah, it set the bar for everything else. If it had failed, we wouldn't have any of the other shows. Yeah. Same thing with with Iron Man. If Iron Man had failed, we wouldn't have Infinity War. We wouldn't have any of this stuff leading up to that. Um, so yeah. 
big props to Daredevil season one for showing us a good dark gritty side of this Marvel universe that they could show only on, they, they can't show it in the movies because the movies are, are supposed to be kid friendly as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, just some, some good, good dark stuff in the character work in that show was just fantastic. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio as uh, Kingpin. Yeah. Oh Will, Will, Wilkin, Fisk in that, like he, like a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't like this character, but I'm like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. The only, I think the only rendition of Kingpin that I kind of like remembered was the one from the 90s Spider-Man cartoon show, and I really enjoyed that, where he was basically, and I kind of put it this way, he's basically like the Lex Luthor of the Marvel Universe, but he's also not like, like he's he's actually successful, like, you know, where like Lex Luthor always gets stopped by Superman or another thing or whatnot, but like, he really hasn't been caught for a lot of the shit he's done, and then I like this one where it showed like yeah he went to jail he you know he's in jail but he's still like kind of running the city from jail a little bit which yeah. is like holy shit so I think yeah. they gave really good depth to that character and yeah you're right because like if Daredevil would have failed we would not have all these shows um, and like the the constant building on new Marvel material and other things are looking because I mean like Punisher like he was great in Daredevil season two. Now I didn't really, I liked the Punisher series. I thought it was interesting, but I'm really kind of curious. Okay. Where are you going to go next with this? Um, yeah, I'm not sure if they can pull off a second season of Punisher because I mean, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I did think it was maybe, maybe an episode or two too long. Like I felt uh, there were a couple episodes in there that I felt were almost filler. Yeah. Like they could- like they could have put the the important part that happened in this episode could easily have been done last episode or next episode, and this episode could have been cut out. Like I, I feel like the season could have been one or two episodes shorter. But that being said, I still enjoyed it very much. Um, but yeah, I don't think they really set themselves up well for a sequel to that. Well, they which is not, they actually kind of they actually kind of did. Uh, so the guy who he screwed up his face. He becomes the villain Jigsaw in the Punisher uh, methos and everything like that. So I'm like, oh, they're actually going to do this guy. So his face is going to be – and for all we know, it could even be the same guy or they could just get another guy just to have this mangled like face or whatnot. Yeah. So it will be kind of interesting – um, but I'm not sure, like, again, I don't know where they're going to go with it. Uh, we don't know if they're just going to give us that guy again in the second season or they're going to build towards him for the third season if they get a, a third season. But I'm still excited. I'm very curious if he's ever going to join the Defenders or stop in in like maybe Defender season two. But uh, we'll see. But what we're going to be talking about a lot today is going to be Luke Cage season two which on I love Luke Cage. Luke Cage was fun. And this season I was like, holy shit. So it was really kind of cool to see that the season did something completely different. It did end on a weird note. Um, I, I agree. Yeah, season one um, got a lot of a lot of hate from a lot of people, which surprised me because I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the second half of the season in season one, talking about season going back to season one, that I think the second half of the season was a little iffy. Like when they went into that whole Diamondback storyline, when they brought Diamondback in, and he was just Maybe it was the actor who was playing him or the way he was playing him. Like, he just, he was playing him too crazy for my taste. Like, he's been built up this entire series as being, like, the ultimate mobster. Like, he's this he's this big bad guy you don't ever want to actually see. You know, you see Shades always talking about, oh, Diamondback's not going to like that. Yeah, yeah. That's be a threat. And then you meet Diamondback and he's just, like, he's, like, 
the Joker of Luke Cage. You know, he's yeah. coming in all crazy. He got the crazy oh. eyes, and he's just wacky and just killing everybody. And it's like, eh, um, no. I think the whole thing with uh, Mariah and Cottonmouth, like that whole storyline, was so much better than the Diamondback storyline. Yeah, it was very so, it was very interesting with that. Now that you mentioned that, like I didn't even think of like how crazy they did make Diamondback, but it, it but like how you said it, it was like they were kind of building it like they did with Daredevil, where they kept talking about you know the kingpin and stuff, and then you finally see him, and you're like, oh okay, and then like he does that like switch moment where it's like you embarrass me in front of this girl, and he starts just breaking this like guy's head with his own door, and then you're just like, yeah. oh <laughs> shit, okay, yeah, this guy is definitely to be feared, you know, it was like because it wasn't yeah. so much as like super crazy, it was more like you do not disrespect me, you disrespect me, this is what's going to happen, and he and the funny part is even as violent as it is, you look at it, and you're like it still was pretty like sane. Like, even though he yeah, murdered this he, guy he with a car door. But he wasn't doing it with a smile on his face. He wasn't, you know, he was doing it out of anger and mm-hmm. out of rage. And you could see that as opposed to, you know, like, hey, I'm a crazy person who's just going to kill people. Hey. Yeah, and, no, you know, Diamondback always had this big old grin on his face. He's always happy about what he was doing. It's like with, with Fisk, you didn't see that. You saw a person who was poised and in control and... Once he was done, when he was, you know, he'd gotten angry, he had lashed out, he had been violent, he had killed the guy. And then you could see he had some remorse about that. Because, and not because of what he did, because he had zero remorse about the guy being dead. Yes. <laughs> but he was, he was remorseful of the fact that he had to do it himself, because usually he distances himself from those actions. Usually he insulates himself. He has somebody else do the dirty work. He orders the killing or the smashing of the heads. <laughs> he doesn't actually do it himself, but that scene was important to let us know that he was capable of it. Yeah, definitely. And I saw that, but yeah, he didn't come off as just a loon. He came off as a very powerful person who had a, a trigger, you know, a temper that can be triggered at just the wrong moment. And if that happens, then watch the hell out. Um, so I thought it was, he was just a much better villain all around. I think most of the villains that we've seen, uh, possibly with the exception of some of the weirdness that went on with uh, season two of Daredevil and going into Iron Fist and some of that, uh, some of those things I, I didn't didn't really dig as much. But um, as far as uh, Luke Cage goes, I thought the the first season was very strong, especially at the beginning. Second half, you know, like I said, kind of tailed off. But I I heard a lot of people saying they didn't like it at all. Which like, yeah. Honestly, and I'm like, how could you not? It was so great. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think they you like I we, I think we talked about it like uh, before, but I mean like transitions and using the music and the and the club and like them doing a sound test and then they get to play another song where it's like you know the actual like you know club uh, up and running and stuff. But um, I will say this: I did enjoy like the last fight between uh, Diamondback and Luke Cage, who was finally putting him up against somebody who can actually like you know hurt him. Um, yeah, and he it, had the suit when he had the hammer tech uh, suit, and I like how they worked hammer tech into there. I, you know, yeah. Like, you know, so it still ties in. You 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 know that you're still in the MCU technically, mm-hmm. but like the dark underbelly of the MCU. You're in, in the part of the MCU that the Avengers don't want to go to because it would you know they'd get their fancy uniforms dirty if they went into Harlem. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, really. Kitchen or something like that. So, um, and they always refer to the incident, you know, and. and we know from watching movies that the incident is an alien invasion of New York. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, so when you think about it like that, it's like, oh man, it's so cartoony and out of this world. But in these shows, it's all uh, so much more realistic. And, you know, it's still comic, and maybe that's why I didn't like the the whole Madame Gao and the whole like all that more spiritual weirdness that went on later on in uh, in Daredevil and uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, that's maybe that's why I didn't dig it as much because what I really like about these shows is the realism, the the fact that we're we're dealing with stuff on a smaller scale. We're not dealing with saving the entire planet or saving the entire galaxy or saving the entire universe. We're dealing with a small, you know, we're dealing with like four city blocks of, you know, they've got to save this area from this one person who's just a person. Yeah. Who just happens to be a bad person who uses their power for evil. Um, Jessica Jones was the first time we really saw like a power being introduced into the villain. Yeah. Like a super villain finally, you know, cause all of them have just been kind of like villains and mob bosses and stuff like that. And then, yeah, that was like a really good thing where like, and that's what I say. Like he, that, that's what I said. Like as much as I love, you know, uh, Kingpin, uh, but fuck, I, I think, uh, you know, David Tennant as the purple man was like really oh. scary for me. And I think he's like one of the top bill villains right now. I mean, one of my favorite episodes in season two is when he comes back and he's like, oh, it's okay that you, you know, spoilers, like she accidentally murdered somebody and all this stuff in self-defense. But it's like he <laughs> it was such a good it was like probably my favorite episode in season two. And then I like the fact where he's just like, all right, well, if you need me, I'll be around. I'm like, oh, shit, please tell me you're going to be doing stuff like this in like the next season, like where every time yeah, something well, goes. He's in her head. You know, he's dead. She yeah. killed him in the season one. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole thing. And so he comes back in her head as like this voice that she has, that she's fighting. And it's, it, that was the best part I think of season two. Cause other than that, season two was not, uh, not that great in my opinion. It was, it was okay, but yeah, it was okay. Not the list. I, I will say this. It is watchable, but like after seeing like season one and then you're like, okay, what are we going to do next? And then you're like, Oh, okay. You kind of introduce like another kind of person who can, you know, take on Jessica Jones but then he got into that weird backstory and it's like, oh, this is your mother and all. And you're like, oh, this is OK. I'm, I'm like, I'm on board, but it, it seems kind of weird. Like it just came out of like left field uh, kind of thing. But um, but anyways, yeah. Sophomore Jessica Jones, hopefully season three will come back and be as good as the first season. Because, yeah, um, David Tennant playing Kill, uh, Killgrave. I mean, just the and the thought of a villain with that power. Yeah. Like it's literally mind rape. And the fact that he uses it that way and the way he uses it, I mean, I think one of the the best scenes in that first season when, um, if you recall, when they when they had him trapped in that room. Yeah. And then uh, he had gotten out because, uh, um, what's your name, from the, the Matrix girl? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the she let, the uh, lawyer, she yeah. Yeah, she wasn't really convinced uh, of what's going on, and she didn't realize the power that he held. And so, when they, when she tell, when he tells um, the other girl to put a bullet in your head, yeah, and just that was those were his exact words: put a bullet in your head. And so she's sitting there, and the gun was empty. She's sitting there trying to shoot herself, and she can't shoot herself. So she's literally trying to she's picking up these bullets off the ground and trying to shove them through her skull because she has to do what she was told. Yeah. And the only way, you know, like Jessica has to come in there and like, like open your mouth. She like puts a, a bullet in her mouth to, and like there, you, you've done what he told you to do. You've done it. So now you're free. And the fact that 
his power makes it so that you have to do exactly what he says and you have to keep, you keep going you keep trying until the, either the power wears off or you do what he says yeah yeah and it's just uh like holy crap like uh, just imagine the power that would have in the wrong hands and then he shows you exactly what type of <laughs> what type of power that has in the wrong hands because his hands are definitely the wrong <laughs> hands for that well, type of power. well it's very it's very interesting with uh Kilgrave too because even he was like he's like do you know what it was like growing up where i had to f- choose my words carefully because it's like he honestly didn't even want to do that you know like he didn't want this ability and then he got it and then he got to a certain point where he just snapped and was just like no fuck it uh people are trying to kill me now so i have this ability so i'm just gonna you know, try to keep living like, and see, that was the other cool part with Kilgrave, the build up to him, even when it's all like this guy gave him his kidney out of nowhere. And you're kind of like, Oh, that's weird. Why would someone just give you a kidney and just the building for it and stuff like that, which that's what I actually kind of bring into with uh, Luke Cage season two, they introduced a new uh, villain called Bushmaster. And right now he's up there with the top villains for me. I thought this was such a great character and such a good backstory for him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't have to drag it out. That's the one thing I did like about season one of Luke Cage as well, when they gave you the backstory of Luke Cage and it was one episode and it's a great episode. Um, you know, finding out all this, like what happened to him, how this happened, stuff like that. So, but yeah, so season two, uh, Luke Cage is really kind of interesting because Luke Cage kind of has a chip on his shoulder. He's like, I'm the indestructible man. So you kind of dig that where you're like, fuck yeah, fuck some people up. So it starts off with a kind of like fun. You know, where he's like, yeah, I know what I, I can do whatever I want kind of thing. And then it starts building his con- all the consequences that come to that. Um, yeah, he's, so in season one, he's all about the I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. I'm not I'm not trying to be that. And then as the season progresses, he realizes that, OK, you know what? I'm going to have to take on that mantle. I'm going to have to be the protector of Harlem. I'm going to have to do that because there's bad people out there. And if I don't do it, nobody else can because I'm the I'm the bulletproof man. And so you see at the end of season one where he's kind of accepting that role as hero. And then at the beginning of season two, you see him fully – he's fully accepted that role. He's fully gone in full force with that. He's coming out and just – you know, he walks into that uh, – he, he's pissed off. If, you know, the, the season begins with there's somebody out on the street selling uh, heroin nicknamed Luke Cage because it's so strong, I guess. I don't know. But – it's it's so strong. It's overdosing people. People are dying because of it. And he's like, I know you're not trying to put my name on your drugs because that is not going to happen. Yeah. And that scene where he busts into that room, there's like five guys in there with guns and they're all pointed at him. And he just says, are we really going to do this? Yeah. And they say, he has to know we tried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's such like it's such a great thing. It's like it's almost like when like Superman shows up like. You know, even if you don't like the movies or whatnot, but like when uh, in that Superman movie, when it's like Lois Lane is gets caught by the one guy and he just kind of gives that smirk and like takes the guy out. You're like, yeah, really? Like it's Superman. The man is fucking bulletproof. It's like Luke Cage. The man, Not only is he bulletproof, but he's also got strength. Like he can put you through a wall if he needs to. And it's just but I like the even the bad guys are like. We have to at least try because, like, whether you beat us up or not, as soon as we go back to the boss, he's not going to be happy. Like, it's like we're screw- we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't, you know. So, and I thought that was really kind of funny with them too, because even the bad guys are like, we're kind of fucked, you know. <laughs> I did like also how they they didn't really go into it in depth. They just showed him do it a couple of times, which I thought was cool. 
But did you notice he was kind of pulling a little Jedi action there with, you know, when they would shoot at him, he would like twist his body just and like deflect the bullet into their leg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Aim the uh, aim the ricochets off of his body sometimes yeah, to I, uh, hit them in the leg or something like that. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, doing, uh, like, like the lightsaber with the laser blast and <laughs> yeah. deflecting. Yeah, I thought like all that kind of stuff was good. And then what I like is like, okay, so you have Luke Cage doing this thing. And then, of course, he's finally dating like the night nurse Claire. And, yeah. of course, like things are getting really um, – pretty much their lives are getting kind of disorientated now because it's like he he needs to protect Harlan, but he also has to remember all the other people that, yeah, you're Luke Cage, but if people know we're associated with you, they can come after us. Uh, and then she's also like, is this really your fight? Can't you just let, you know, things be what it is and whatnot? And then, of course, they have, like, that powerful episode where he, you know, they get so angry and he punches the wall. And right when he did it, like, even everybody, like, I know when I was watching, it was like, oh, no. Because as soon as you did that, he, she was like, I'm out. And you're like, yeah, I don't blame you. But you know yeah. he would never do that to you. But it's like it's that, it's like it's like if you've ever punched a wall. Like you just get so angry and I'm like, I'm not going to strike this person that I care about or whatnot. I'm going to just punch the wall. But then you do that and then immediately regret everything you did because you're like, this was going to go towards a human being at one point. Yeah, and so exactly. I, and you're like, yeah, oh. So- yeah, it's such a powerful episode, and you know, you see their you see their relationship at the beginning. They're very strong. They're together. They're having a good time. But then, the further he leans towards being, he, she's fine with him being the protector of Harlan. Yeah. But then he starts leaning towards more and more each up as each episode passes. He starts leaning more and more towards trying to be the leader of Harlem. He's trying to to be the one who calls the shots and he's trying to be the one that is like um he's not just protecting. Now he's trying to tell people what to do. Now he's trying to direct people and she starts to see this and she's like, you know, you're changing. You're you know, you didn't want to be a hero. You didn't want this and you accepted this because, you know, and even she in the first season told him, you have this power, you have this ability to help people. You need to use it for that. Yeah. And and she and he finally accepted that. But then he started, you know, down this path of, well, I'm bulletproof. I'm I'm the one in charge. I'm the best. And you really see it when he do, goes and does that workout for the to try because he's trying to raise some money. He's trying to get the keep the barbershop open and stuff like that. And they're they're you know, their rents increase and their insurance has increased because uh, Diamondback shot up the place and whatnot. So they're they're dealing with that. Yeah. He's trying to make some money, so he's trying to impress some some uh, scouts from like Nike and Adidas and these places to try to get like sponsorship deals and whatnot. Which I thought was actually kind of a cool episode because you know you have like people like Tony Stark and Captain America, and basically they have jobs with you know quote unquote like Tony Stark makes his own money, but he also does stuff with the Avengers. So you know he's probably getting some money from Shield because he probably gave them some technology and stuff of like that. And of course you know. Captain America being an American hero, he's obviously on a payroll, you know, for being a veteran and stuff like that. So it's like a lot of these, you know, Marvel heroes in the MCU universe have like a, you know, a job that they're raising money and stuff like that. I mean, some of them are like different, such as, you know, like Ant-Man and Spider-Man and some of them, but they have this kind of stuff. But then you have these real world problems where it's like these people are just trying to make a living, but they still have to do these other things. And it it kind of grounds everything again, where it's all like, it makes it like almost like the old school Spider-Man comics where it's like Spider-Man's going to school, Spider-Man's 
has this job at the Daily Bugle. He still has to have all of his personal stuff together, but he still has to save, you know, New York and stuff. And it's it's like that that whole balance, which kind of brings you back to like, okay, I do all this stuff except for fighting crime because I'm not a superhero, but it does make the characters a little bit more believable and more like, okay, yeah, no, he would have to try to. And I thought like him trying to get sponsors was such a kind of clever idea where it's like, yeah, why not? Why can't it? It reminded me of that uh, movie Mystery Men. Where the one guy was like, he had all like the logos on his uh, thing because he got all these sponsors. And you're like, well, that's a kind of a clever idea. Why wouldn't people want to sponsor like a, a superhero or something like that, you know? Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was a really clever like episode and stuff. Um, but yeah, like the one episode, I think it was really well done. Like we said, once, you know, Claire and his relationship kind of fall apart and he's just walking through Harlem, like with his head down, like, what am I going to do? And then this new villain comes up and just knocks him the fuck out. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit, he is not having a good day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, he just broke up with his girl. And, then, and out of nowhere, here comes this guy who just clocks him. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, but you really see that that change. You know, we go back real quick to that episode where he's doing the workout and stuff. You see kind of during that. I, I think I felt the change. During that, he's showing off. All these people are watching him. All these people are telling him how great he is. They're talking about, oh, he can run faster than Usain Bolt. And that becomes a running thing uh, in the in the episode. He's like, I never said that. Other people said that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, he's doing all this stuff and he's showing off, basically. And that's when he kind of, I see that change kind of in his eyes where he's like, you know what? I am better than all these people. Because up until that point, he's always, yeah, I'm bulletproof and I'm strong so I can help people when they need it. But he never acted like he was better than yes. anybody else. It was at that moment during that whole showing off for the scouts or whatever thing that I think his mindset changed. And he looked at all these people looking at him and taking his picture and doing all that stuff. And he, he kind of – that was that moment where he told himself, you know what? I'm better than these people. Yeah, he and probably it felt like – it really changed. Yeah, he kind of almost got like it's almost was like almost a little bit of a god status of just like look how strong I am. I'm bulletproof. You know, it's all like none of you people can take me, like kind of thing. And it was like, and it's like he's right, but it's also you got to be humble about it. And I think that's what uh, I'm curious if that's what season two or season three is going to be about. But yeah, no, that is a very good point where you kind of yeah, I got to see him kind of like embracing it, but also being like, yeah, you know what, I can do all these amazing things, and you guys can't. So. Yeah, it's it's really that that changing moment I think for him when he <clears throat> realizes that he can use this, you know, and it's it's a complete mindset change where he starts leaning towards the I'm better than these people, and so they should be listening to me. They should be doing what I say. It's it, it's not quite at that stage, but you see that moment where he kind of realizes that, and that's where everything starts to go downhill with Claire then, because now she's like, you know. Yes, you you need to protect them. That's you know your duty because you have the ability to. But now you're talking about controlling. You know now you're you're acting like you're better than them. And you know this is this is starting to get you know awkward. And she's getting mad, and he he's getting mad. And then you know the anger flares. He punches the wall, and she's like, "We're done here," and takes off. And yeah, it's it's definitely a powerful moment in the series. And then that's when we really are introduced. We, we'd seen Bushmaster before he, he showed up and we knew that he was strong and bulletproof, but not to the same extent that Luke Cage was. Cause we see him get shot, but we see the bullets do penetrate his skin. They just stop there. And you, we see him actually have to pull them out and he's bleeding and he has to heal, but he heals quick, 
quickly because we find out later he's using this nightshade and these herb combinations to, to increase his strength. But at the same time, it's destroying his mind. It's making him go crazy. So, yeah, it's just a, just a great character uh, altogether. And I love the Jamaican accents throughout the, throughout the show. I just, yeah, I, I thought they did a, a really good job with that. And I like the fact that it's like there's that little, you know, Jamaican cafe and it's like one of his, you know, relatives or whatnot and all this kind of stuff. But I thought it was, it was so interesting with the build with it because then you start realizing going like Bushmaster is kind of right. This is his stuff. Like they took this stuff from it and then they even gave his backstory in like one episode and they did such a well job of explaining his reasoning behind stuff. And you're like, you kind of, you're like, no, I think he's kind of, I mean, granted, he's killing a bunch of people to do it, but it's also like, he's kind of right. You know, like this is like, he, you know, it, this is what he was pretty much, you know, built for to do and stuff like that. So I thought it was, he was a very interesting character and stuff like that. Yeah, I think the difference between him and Luke Cage is that he's coming into it wanting to rule the city. He wants to rule Harlem. And he thinks that it's his birthright to rule Harlem because who's currently ruling Harlem is Mariah. Yes. And he thinks that Mariah doesn't deserve it because it, she, her entire wealth is built on the business of her grandfather who was in business with Bushmaster's grandfather but then cut him out of the business. Yes. So you see him coming and yeah, you can relate with it. Like, yeah, he wants his part of the business. You know, his, his family was cut out of this business uh, unjustly. And so he's coming after what's his, but he's not just coming after money. He's not just coming after the business. He wants to rule the city. And that's why he gets into a beef with Luke Cage in the first place, because he's like, I can't, I can't rule the city. I can't be the king of this city. Well, people still love Luke Cage instead. Yeah. The only reason he tries to take out Luke Cage in the first place is because he doesn't, he wants people to, to respect him more than they respect Luke Cage. And he knows that that can never happen uh, while he exists. And in fact, that's one of the best, the best lines in the, in the show. I think his, you know, Bushmaster's like advisor, like his second in command or whatever is going. He's like, he's like, you, you, you just need to take out Mariah, just take out Mariah, take the club, take the, you know, take over, boom, you're done. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I have to take out Luke Cage too. And then the guy's like, but, but why? Like, that he has nothing to do. He's an enemy of Mariah too. Mariah doesn't like him either. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why you're, you know, and it, there's a point where Bushmaster says him vex me. And the guy goes, why? And he says, because him exist. <laughs> and I'm like, that sums it up right there. Bushmaster is so far off the chain at this point that he cannot allow anyone else in the city to be stronger or better than him in anything because he wants to be the one in control and he wants to have that that illusion of power that comes with uh, strength and and you know the fear of people underneath you so uh, it's just kind of interesting like he wouldn't have even had to fight luke cage if he'd have just been like you know cuz i'm sure luke wouldn't have cared who's running this club down he doesn't care who's running the club he'd be quite happy to see mariah get <laughs> killed or anything else yeah because it's like he uh, can't luke cage can't do it himself but he's like well if bushmaster literally just took over the club and everything that and even talk with luke cage be like look we're gonna get mariah out we're gonna bring the city back to its you know proper you know thing like they obviously been business partners been like here you run the club and i'll just you know maintain like the street just keep your shit out of this thing and we're good but it's like no bushmaster's like no i'm i'm running all of this 
So it is kind of interesting where he's like, you even like the one guy even tries to talk him out of it, going like, "Why do you have to do this?" He's like, "Because he exists." And it's like, well, it is true. He still knows that if he does something that Luke Cage doesn't like, he's still a threat. So if if you're the guy who kills Luke Cage, no one's gonna fuck with you, you know, kind of thing. So it, it it was very it was a very interesting character and I really enjoyed it and I love yeah all the Jamaican accents and I fucking loved it I thought it was fantastic and I even like his music like every time he would show up it was this really kick ass like Rastafarian uh, like mix music and stuff like that where you're like okay shit's gonna go down but you're gonna feel kind of funky about <laughs> it you know it was it was just really fun um, I love the uh, the fight scene when he the first time he faces off with Luke Cage before he this is before he clocks when, when Luke Cage goes in and he's like, um, he's looking for Nigel, which is this other Jamaican guy that he doesn't know that Bushmaster's already killed and taken over his business. So he walks up in there trying to tell, like, he just wants this guy to stop using his name on his drugs. Yeah. He wants, and he walks in there and then you see, uh, Bushmaster is really, really smart in this. And I love the way they showed this go down that he had, like he had all his lackeys like surrounding him and he knows that none of them can beat Luke Cage, but that's not what he's trying to do. You watch him, and what he's doing is he sends like four different guys up to fight Luke Cage with varying weapons and, and whatnot, and he's watching the entire time. He's watching Luke Cage's moves. Yes. And see later in the series where when he's you know doing the, the whole ritual with the nightshade and all that, that he's practicing counter moves to what Luke does because Luke is so used to just being the strongest – that he doesn't really need a fighting style. Yeah, he's like a brawler. Yeah, he can. He's just brute strength. He doesn't have to be quick. He doesn't have to be stealthy. He doesn't have to, you know, move around a lot. He just clobbers. And uh, Bushmaster is like, okay, I'm gonna. He watches his fighting style, and uh, my favorite part in that is when the guy throws the grenade at him, and he just closes his hands around the grenade and waits for it to explode, and just see this puff of smoke, and then he just lets all these little shards. Yeah. Of- the strap mill fall down, and you're just like, oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, we also learned they they kind of, I think they did this just as a way to, because I'm sure people are wondering, like, well, why aren't they just uh, shooting Judas bullets at him? Well, they show that. They show that somehow that second, when they tried to, when they healed him from the from the first Judas bullets blast in the, in the first movie, or in the first movie, in the first season, <laughs> that it made him even stronger than before. And now the Judas bullets don't even work. Yeah. So they just took that out of the equation. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's like anything, anything he survives from his body becomes like immune to it then and builds up like an even tougher, like skin material for it now. So it's interesting. Yeah. Like the Judas uh, bullets that were in the first episode that almost took him out. Now it's like, Nope. Uh, I, I, it's kind of interesting to see that it's like anything you throw at me and I survive, I'm going to be pretty much, you know, invulnerable to it now. Yeah, the only thing we see that other than Bushmaster that had any power against him whatsoever is the the one guy did have like a shotgun that had like eight barrels that shot at the same time like directly at him, mm. and it was powerful enough powerful enough to knock him back. Didn't hurt him. Didn't break his skin. Didn't you know? He ended up I think dislocating his shoulder because he flew out of a third story window and landed on a car, which is understandable. <laughs> but. The, the the shotgun itself didn't hurt him. It was just powerful enough of force to actually knock him back. Yeah, knock him back, which they also discovered with the, the second, I think it's the second or third fight with uh, Bushmaster when they're on the bridge. 
Yeah. And it even showed that even Bushmaster was like, okay, I can outmaneuver him, but I'm not really doing much damage. And then he uses like, this is what I also kind of like, because it kind of gave you a little bit of voodoo and like a little bit of like magic, which I think is okay for the Marvel Universe now, because after introducing like uh, Doctor Strange, you're kind of like, okay, magic's in the universe. That's why I don't think I really too much. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not my favorite first season of any of the shows, but Iron Fist, that's why I didn't really mind too much of that kind of stuff. Cause I'm like, okay, you kind of set the, the groundwork with Dr. Strange. And like, I know Iron Fist kind of has like that mystical kind of weirdness, you know, to it. Um, but I think first season, it's like they didn't really explain it that very well in the first season. That's why I know in the second season of, uh, we're getting off a little topic here, but the second season of, uh, uh, Iron Fist, it seems like they got a new showrunner. They're going to be focusing more on the, his fighting style, like getting him better like fight moves and stuff like that. But I think they're going to try to build a little bit more into his uh, backstory that's more like, okay, now I understand this a little bit more than just... Uh, yeah. just like, I, I, well, I'll put it this way. The only thing everyone ever, the only character everyone knows his actual real name is Danny Rand, because I am swear, you watch that first season of Iron Fist and make it a drinking game, you were within the first 20 minutes um <laughs> oh man oh, that first season of iron fist i think the the writing was strong honestly i thought the the story was good it's just that marvel and netflix have been so good about getting good actors to play all these roles and then the guy they got to play danny rand just wasn't that strong of an actor or, or, or he just couldn't do this. I don't know. I've never seen him anything else, so I don't know. Well, he, he was in game of Thrones. I'm trying to remember. He was the, he was the, not, the brother of uh, the girl that Joffrey marries. And then Joffrey brothers marries after Joffrey dies. He was the one that was gay. And then they locked him up in the, the thing after they found out about his, you know, oh, you're into dudes and that's, you know, blasphemy in this time period or whatnot. Um, yeah, he was like, what was it? The something of Rose, the night of Rose. Was he? That was the same. Yeah, it's it? a, yeah, it's the same. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the same guy. Go, you go look so that up. It's just the writing for Danny Rand, but specifically Danny, because the other characters were fantastic. And this is the <laughs> interesting part in uh, in Iron Fist season one. You know where he fights that drunken dude? Yeah, that guy was originally going to be Danny Rand. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, I really like this guy. And I'm like, I, I don't. And he was Asian American, which what Danny Rand is supposed to be. And I, I just don't know. Maybe it was like a big pool of stuff. I will say this. There is an episode in Luke Cage where Danny Rand does show up. And I'm going to say I did enjoy that episode because I think the I think the writing, they might have actually found the correct writing for Danny. And they're kind of getting Danny to be like his better, you know, he's supposed to be the better counterpart of Luke Cage because I'm sitting there going, when are you going to do Heroes for Hire? Because I really want to see that, you know, and uh, I'm not going to lie. That's a fun episode to me in season two of Luke Cage. I like when he showed up and I was like, this was actually kind of enjoyable. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree. Um, season two of Luke Cage is the first time that I actually enjoyed the Danny Rand Iron Fist character. Um, I did not, uh, you know, the first season of Iron Fist, I did not like him the entire time. I didn't like him in The Defenders, and I really felt The Defenders was – it focused too much on the same storyline from Iron Fist season one. Yeah. So it, it felt like like a mini Iron Fist season two. Yeah, it really, it really did. Like, because I think- it was all dealing with the same stuff. Yeah, it was all dealing with his fist and opening this door and everything like that. Yeah, Defenders, I mean, it was a good it was a good series, but it was just really weird that you're like, that's going to be your main focus. So I'm kind of hoping maybe with the next Defenders, they maybe focus on either all of them or a different, you know, villain that's they all have to team up against or whatnot. 
But it was just very interesting because when you watch the, I mean, in the Defenders episode when Danny Rand and Luke Cage like first finally meet and they're doing that like, or not meet, but he breaks into the boardroom and they start having their fight together and they're playing off each other right then. I was like, okay, I can definitely see Heroes for Hire with these two characters, you know, like this, if they do this right, it would be a fun thing. But yeah, I'm kind of hoping season two of Iron Fist, it does look interesting. I am kind of, I was like, oh, they have the mask. I wonder if they're ever going to play into that or whatnot. Um, with his little outfit or, or something, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, granted, when they did put him in uh, Luke Cage season two, I thought it was a fun episode. I thought it was an interesting episode. I'm, and, just, and I like the fact that he kept going like, I really like this place because you know it's like he's going to buy it, and you guys are going to make it heroes for hire. <laughs> and I'm like, just yeah, do it I already. Was, uh, yeah, I, I definitely liked his uh, input into uh, season two of Luke Cage. Like, it was much better. I don't know if he, you know. Like I said, it, it probably just better writing for the character because I guess the, like I said, it just the character didn't resonate for me the first two series he was in, mm-hmm. but the couple episodes he was there, and they mention him a couple of times too, like uh, you know Misty Knight lost her arm in the Defenders, so you see that um, come into play a little bit. You know she's dealing with missing an arm. Yeah, that was really and, cool. And then, and technologies make her this 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 special arm that she later finds out is also super strong. So now she's all of a sudden got like this super strength going on too, just on the one arm, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. But she realized that at first, like she thinks it's just a replacement for her arm. It's not until she like punches through a brick wall or something that she's like, Oh, wait a minute. This is, uh, this is really strong. <laughs> yeah. And I like that. I thought it was really cool because that does actually happen in the comics where Misty Knight loses her arm. And it was great because they actually teased it in, uh, uh, Luke Cage season one. Or her arm got like badly injured, and everyone was like, "Oh shit, is she is she gonna get the thing?" And then as soon as like they were talking about Rand Industry and stuff, I'm like, "Oh, I bet Danny Rand's gonna build the arm if they're." I'm like, and that's kind of like a little bit of deep cuts in the comics. I was like, so that that's what I actually really did enjoy about it. I was like, okay, you guys are really you're like that's what I like about the Marvel universe is like they pull stuff from the comics and put it in. Um, I feel like with the series, they do a lot better job because you can flesh out the story because you get like what 13, 14 episodes. Um, with the movies, yeah, they change a couple of things. That's that's the sad part with DC. They do pull a lot from the comics for their universe, but then they just, like, you're like, just stick to that actual comic. Because if you watch any of those animated movies DC do, where they literally like, oh, we're going to do this, uh, the death of Superman is going to be coming out. And you know they're going to pull right from the comic and do a great animation with it. And you're going to be like, yeah, this was fucking, like, good. Like, their animated films are phenomenal. And you look at the Marvel animated films, and they suck. Like, no offense to Marvel, but they're, like, the only ones I thought were great. Um, I think they're, if they're still on Netflix, Marvel-wise, is Wolverine versus, they have Wolverine versus Hulk and Wolverine versus somebody else. But the Wolverine versus Hulk, it's like an animated little movie and stuff. Hulk and him are fighting. But then you bring in, like, uh, Omega Red, I believe, uh, what's her face? The, uh, oh, shit, uh, the woman who's like Wolverine, like the Weapon X girl with the claws. Uh, X-23? No, not X-23. Not his his, uh, weird clone daughter. Um, The one that, like... Ah, shit. I'm trying to remember what her name was. Uh, And then they had Deadpool. And then it's great because Nolan North is recording the voice of Deadpool, but they basically had a different guy, and it wasn't working, so when they brought him in, he's like, okay, well, this is the backstory. Just kind of throw in your own lines. And that was Ryan Reynolds saw that and was like, whoever did this voice, they, they know Deadpool. 
even he was like, this Nolan North guy knows exactly how to voice this character and stuff like that. So it was really kind of fun with that where it's like there's a part where Wolverine's running and then Deadpool's like right next to him going like, yeah, what are we running from? Are we running from that big green guy or something? Like, <laughs> like even though he was the one that captured Wolverine to help out with the stupid like mission plan they had. It's, just, it's really fun to watch. Like that was my only like favorite one out of that. But like a lot of their animated movies are kind of bad because they are geared a little bit towards like, you know, the kids. So you're not going to get those really good in-depth stories like, you know, like Batman Under the Red Hood is a fucking phenomenal, you know, animated movie where you get to find out about Jason Todd and all this kind of stuff. So like, but yeah, um, that's what I do like about these kind of television shows for Netflix is they get to pull a lot from the comics and they can actually flesh it out and be like, yeah, this could happen. You know, that's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure if, uh, if the, the connection went bad. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna wait a second and see if uh, you had more to add to that or if you got because you, you clip out occasionally. So yeah, yours has been like, doing that. Uh, yeah, oh. yeah, yours has been doing that. Yeah, but the recording, the recording's been fine. That's cool. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. It's it's awesome that they're able to to really focus uh, on these individual characters more, and we we learn so much much more about like Mariah in this one. We kind of find out, you know, we find out she has a daughter, which wasn't really brought up in the first season. Yeah. They find, we find out that she has a daughter who, who she's estranged from. She's not talking to, but who happens to live in Harlem and is running. She's a doctor, but she's running this like holistic herb shop. And we meet her originally when Bushmaster goes in to get the stuff he needs for his whole nightshade ritual. And, uh, you know, he comes in and she knows something's up right off the bat when he hands her the list of stuff. She's looking at this like going like, what in the world is he trying to do with this stuff? But she sells him the stuff, sends him on his way. Um, and then, you know, Mariah's like still trying to do this whole thing where she's trying to go legit. She's trying to take all this money that she's made from selling guns and, selling, you know, her, grand, her, her mom had made from selling uh, hookers and guns and all this other stuff. And she's trying to she's trying to actually go legit. She's doing it in the absolute worst way possible by investing in a company with insider information and by blackmailing one of the the board members of that company into doing what she wants to make that stock go up. But she is trying to get out of the illegal businesses and get enough money to actually do what she th- you know she thinks she's doing the right thing. That's the thing about that makes Mariah so interesting is that she actually believes she's helping Harlem, even though she's selling guns and and, uh, all that stuff. Um, She still feels like she's helping because that's what she's trying to do. You know, her her whole mission is to have this whole community thing that she wants to do and she needs legitimate money to do it. And that's how they, you know, everything comes into play. And that's why, you know, we end up with this lawyer who is being used to uh, insulate her from the illegal part of what they're doing to make the legal money that they can use to build her whole family first initiative and all this stuff. And so we've got this lawyer who has power of attorney over her stuff. Yes. And so as soon as everybody finds out, you know, people find out, oh, this guy controlled Mariah's money. So if you get control of this guy, you get control of her money. He even controls the, cl- he has a controlling, he has power of attorney over the club itself. And it's kind of it's kind of stated that whoever runs the club, Harlem's Paradise, whoever runs Harlem's Paradise runs Harlem. Yeah. Like that's kind of the way it's stated. And I love the visuals they do. You know, they've got this uh, amazing painting 
in the in the office at the club that's got these like two uh faces with crowns above them yeah and there's there's a scene when um, ryan and shades are together and they're standing in front of that painting and the way they do the shot is so that the crowns you know because they're talking about running harlem together and the shot is them standing in front of this painting in such a way that the crowns are literally right above their heads. Yeah, and I I, I really so, like how they did that with that that they painting. Did that a couple of times in in season one with uh, uh, Cottonmouth. Yeah, Cottonmouth. That picture of uh, Biggie with the crown on, and you see him looking at his reflection in it, where it looks like he's wearing the crown in the reflection. So they've done that a few times, and I really dig the visuals in that. I mean, the visuals and the music in this show both oh. seasons. Have been absolutely fantastic. Like, on, like honestly, like I plan on, I'm, I'm planning on getting a record player soon because I have, uh, I bought my first vinyl of something else. It'll be coming actually, I believe this month. Um, but uh, I wanted to actually start getting like the Luke Cage vinyls because their music on those seasons are just fantastic. I love how they set the mood and I love how they build it up. And it's not like it's, it, it doesn't seem like they're just throwing music in because they do this cool like I said before with the first one, where they're doing, like, transitions of what's going on, but they have, like, the band, like, kind of doing, like, it's uh, warm-up, and they sing a song, and then they do the live, like, gig, and while, like, while they're doing the live gig, like, all this other stuff is happening in Harlem that you can see, but it gives it this kind of cool music, and all the music, which I love, is just, it just fits the setting of what's going on. Like, they just picked the perfect music to do that, and I thought that was such a well, like... It's like it's just a beautifully shot show. It's it, like it, 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 yeah, the uh, the direction, the cinematography, everything is is so well done. The fight scenes, we don't get as many fight scenes in Luke Cage as we do just scenes of uh, him getting shot a bunch of times and then throwing people around. Yeah, in this season we get a couple of really good fight scenes between him and Bushmaster, and we see Bushmaster can fight, and yeah. he's an artist about it, and that's the whole thing with him studying luke cage's moves so he knows exactly how to beat him up when he does get to the point you know he comes up and they they, they end one episode with him just clocking him yeah and he just out of nowhere he doesn't even see him coming just clocks him knocks him to the ground he's just like what just happened and he's standing over him saying you told me to stay at your yard harlem's not your yard yeah like <laughs> i love that like, line I, I want a t-shirt and they, they cut the next yeah, yeah I want a t-shirt of that of just him like standing in front of a house and like kids are in his yard is like this is not your yard you know <laughs> I was like stay out the yard. yeah stand out of my yard I was like that'd be just fantastic if someone makes a shirt of that um but yeah no to get on that Raven if you're listening our uh, wonderful sponsor on the four-eyed radio network uh, revenge lover designs um, check her out at uh, revengelover.com and if you mention the podcast you'll get 10 percent off your order that you will and stuff like that um, but um they make an amazing shirt for us with that with either luke cage or bushmaster saying stay out of my yard yes. to some kids playing or something like that yeah. like an old like I'm, I'm imagining now like an old man luke cage with a little cane or a walker or something and the, kid, and the kids in the yard and luke cage like oh, get out of my yard. Oh, oh even better even better you make bushman you make bushmaster the uh the elder man with the cane and you have a like a little luke cage in the yard Oh, yes. And then he's like, "Hey, stay out my yard, you know, or get out my yard. This is not your yard, you know." Uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty funny. I'd put that on a coffee mug. I'd, I I would definitely would do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. So Luke Cage, like season two, is really great. All this stuff's going on, but it gets it's it it had a weird ending. I think it ended the best way possible okay. for the direction that they took the show. Because, like I said, the entire show it it starts out with him 
you know, season one was all about him trying to hide in the shadows. Yes. He didn't want to be seen. Well, actually, I shouldn't say season one of Luke Cage. It's season one of uh, you know, when we first meet Luke Cage in Jessica Jones. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's, he's in this, like, um, bar. You know, yeah, he, he's trying to hide. He doesn't want people to know that he's strong, that he has these powers. He's trying to hide it. And, you know, it gets found out uh, accidentally. You know, he gets into a bar fight. And so it's kind of like still, you know, we get this amazing superhero sex scene where everything gets destroyed. That was fantastic. Still, still uh, a fun – a fight scene in that bar though because I remember Jessica Jones doing stuff and then some guy hits him with a chair and just breaks on him. He just like rolls his eye like, I have to buy a new fucking chair now. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, That's my- <laughs> yeah, I really do like that thing because it's like – and then you see him like start fighting and everyone – like as soon as he starts like just throwing guys and, sl- and that's my favorite thing when he just slaps people and they just go flying because it's just like fuck off. Like it, it's just like he yeah. just has that, you know, like, yeah. like, like really like- – oh, no, I'm uh, – immediately knocked out yeah but yeah so okay so that's actually interesting now did you explain that because uh i know patrick and i watched uh we watched season two and we just felt like it was a weird ending but the only thing i could factor in is maybe season three they're going to be doing some stuff with maybe danny's going to try to bring him back to quote unquote his like roots of why he became a hero and that's when they start doing heroes for hire where it's like look we need to make money but we can still help out the city kind of thing yeah. Um, uh, whatnot. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious where season three is going to go, but it is interesting that you said that because it did end. And I was like, this seems like a weird move. And then I guess I didn't pay attention to him. Like, yeah, he kind of became everything he was trying to stop. Yeah. Like throughout the series, uh, throughout the season, he's kind of like going more and more. And like I said, when he, when he flips that switch, when he's doing that workout and he kind of flips that switch, he's like, I'm better than you. And then that progresses and he gets to the end where he's like, you know what? I'm not going to defeat one of these guys. Just, you know, he's, he's got Mariah there. He's got uh, Bushmaster there. It's like one of these people is going to take over, but neither one of them should have power because they're both bad people. And so he ends up, you know, it, it ends up with him having control over the club. And yeah. he's got power. And you see him sitting in the chair in the business suit and like um, – I swear that yeah. that actor who plays Luke Cage, anything he wears, that man is just sexy. He's, he's a good looking dude. He's I'm a fucking gonna... good looking dude. Like <laughs> I uh, I have no shame of saying that. I'm all like, that is a beautiful man. <laughs> he's a good looking dude, that's that's for sure. Um, I'm like, he can toss me around the bedroom any day. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I just thought it was the perfect ending because it gets up to that point where Hello? Like, okay, so okay. it's Hello? Down and doing only because uh, that's what he's he's claiming. He's saying, you know, now that I'm in charge, I can get rid of all the illegal stuff. Yeah. And I can just run a club and I can protect Harlem from the bad people while doing the doing the right thing instead of selling guns and or drugs or women or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see him like all dressed up and you see him like taking over that role. And it's like, oh man, you've you, you're taking a step closer and closer to the ledge, where you're you know you're really putting yourself up on the pedestal, and it kind of brings you back to the story that they tell that the the Bushmaster talks about, and um, the guy that runs that that cafe that you were talking about, he tells the story about the man on the hill, and about the man on the hill's got everything, and he thinks he's safe because he can see all around him, mm-hmm. but the guy at the bottom of the can climb up there anytime and kill him in his sleep. 
And what you see at the end of season two of Luke Cage is he's on the top of the hill. Yeah. And doesn't think, you know, he thinks that he is large and in charge. And the way they go in season three isn't to have him knocked back down to nothing. Like mm. literally like on the streets uh, or in jail or something like something happens that knocks him all the way back down to absolute nothing. And that's to build himself back up to, yeah. to regain his his self, his true self that is the hero, Luke Cage, not. Yeah, not this, you know, mob boss. So that's the way I think that they're going to go with season three. I don't know, you know, what villains or what uh, what characters they're going to use to accomplish this. But it would be my guess that by episode four or five of season two, we see Luke in very rough times. Yeah. And then so he has to dig himself back out of that again. Again, yeah, and in that, in that fight to get back to where he belongs, that's where we see him regain his sense of self that he's lost in season two. So I, I thought it was super deep and uh, just the best possible way to end the season the way it had been progressing. Every episode, he was getting more cocky, getting more and more sure of himself as being this person who was the the king of Harlem, and so and him sitting basically in what they described essentially as the throne, uh, you know, whoever runs Harlem's paradise runs Harlem and that office is the throne room and him sitting behind the desk. That's, that's the King in his throne. And that's how they end it. That's how they end the season. And I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, no, hands down. I really enjoyed uh, Luke Cage season two, looking forward to the third one. I mean, it's very interesting. I know daredevil kicked everything off, but I was very blown away by like, I think Jessica Jones season one is still like my top season one or maybe now season two of luke cage is like right after it and then of course you know daredevil and stuff like that it's really kind of hard for me to rank some stuff i mean not obviously iron fist right now because that's like uh, it's 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 watchable uh <laughs> but guarantee <laughs> you won't you won't they're both on the bottom of my list but i still watched them all yeah and i still enjoyed them while i was watching them i just didn't enjoy them as much as some of the other ones yeah uh, so it's yeah, they're, I mean, I think to get the full experience, you do need to watch all of them because they tie together. But if you're going to skip one, I'd say the one to skip would be Iron Fist in season one and then followed by The Defenders because you're not going to get a whole lot of what's going on in The Defenders without seeing Iron Fist. But then there's there's a whole lot of references in season two of Luke Cage to what happens in The Defenders. Yeah. So, um, again, to get the full story you, you kind of have to watch the ones, even the ones that aren't as good. Um, I don't think any of them are bad. There aren't any of them that I look at and say, oh, that was just garbage. It's just some are less gold than others. I think, you know, Jessica Jones season one, Daredevil season one, Luke Cage season two, and uh, Punisher are all gold. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you, I wasn't as end of Daredevil season two. It was okay, but... Uh, I will say yeah, I, this. Pat made a good point with actually Daredevil Season 2. If you actually did not have the Punisher character in there, I don't think it would have held my attention as much with the whole, you know, the hand and all that kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong. The ninja stuff is interesting to me, but I, I really could care less about the Elektra character. Don't get me wrong. The woman who played her was did a fantastic job and stuff of like that, but I'm like, I really don't care about too much of that crap. Um, but I'm like, yeah. I felt like the Frank Castle story in there uh, was a good like I was like that that was the stuff that really kept my attention I think in Daredevil there's, too. There's a very good reason that we got a Punisher series and not an Electra series. That's I mean, <laughs> and that's that's it right there. 
because if they had announced an Electra series, I would have been like, I don't know about this. Um, I probably would have watched it, you know, because being a completist and wanting to, to see the whole story that ties in with it, I would have watched it, I'm sure. But I'm very glad that if they chose a spinoff from Daredevil that uh, we got the Punisher. Because the only other character I think that you could spin off and do an entire series based around would be Fisk. Mm. Uh, and that might be just a little much considering how big a part he played in the season in season one anyway. Yeah. I feel like if you made a, a Fisk uh, series, it, it would be too much of, uh, you know, because basically, you know, it would just be him running stuff or you'd have to bring Daredevil in and then, you know, it's just Daredevil season three. Yes, you know, Daredevil so. season three, which I'm uh, interested how that's going to kick off because, of course, everyone thinks Matt Murdock is dead after Defender season two, but at the end or season one, and then you see him like in this hospital, you know, being bandaged up and stuff of like that. So it's very interesting, like, okay, where are they going to go with season three of Daredevil, which I think we're probably actually, because I think we're getting what? Season two of Iron Fist uh, September, I believe. And so, then uh, oh. Daredevil, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out next February because that's usually – they always do his stuff like in the beginning of the year. Mm. Um, so it's interesting because I'm pretty sure they'll do season three and then we'll probably get maybe season three of Jessica Jones and then maybe Defenders season two or we'll get another Defenders. I'm not really sure how they're planning it. But uh, it was kind of interesting that we did get two uh, – we got three second seasons this year of those shows, which are like, okay, now we're all kind of tied almost with, you know, Daredevil, but of course Daredevil was the front runner. So of course he's going to get another season three before these guys do. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting what, uh, the, the Marvel MC universe is doing uh, with their Netflix shows. I do enjoy them. I think they're fun. It's like, it almost feels like it's like the CW, uh, not like uh, what I mean is like, you know, how they have the CW shows where it does have all that, you know, teenage quote unquote, like, drama and stuff of that but it does give you the superhero stories that you mm-hmm. want and you're like well yeah this does fit superheroes because superheroes do have their drama they're not just like everything's perfect in their life uh you know kind of thing so i like how they're kind of building that with their television shows and then you know marvel's now doing it too and they get to do it on you know they're like we have some we do have some gritty characters they're not super dark like all of quote-unquote dc's characters but we do have these characters that are like, yeah, this is how Daredevil works. You know, this is how this works and all that kind of stuff. So it is it is very interesting that um, they're able to finally do that kind of stuff. Because it's like Ages of Shields. I know people like it and it's whatnot. I mean, I dropped off after maybe the first two episodes. But it's like if you could take that and put it on a Netflix thing and they can get away with a little bit more, the series could be very good, you know. Um because it's they, almost they watched me. Uh, I watched Agents of Shield for the first. Uh, I think I watched the first couple of seasons, um, and then they kind of lost me when they went into the whole Inhumans bit. And it, it was just kind of okay. So now they're using mutants, but they're not using mutants because they don't have the rights to mutants because that's owned by Fox still or somebody else. Yeah. And so now they're 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 using the Inhumans, and it just got it got to a point where it was it was kind of going off the rails to where something it needed to be something other than network TV. Yeah. It was, it was kind of getting to the point where this needs to be on Netflix or it needs to be on HBO or it needs to be a movie because you're not going to be able to do everything you need to do in a, on a network TV format. I mean, network TV is uh, awful for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Because basically you're just trying to, you make a show and then it's basically you're selling pretty much for ad space because these are the people yeah. who are going to fund your show and stuff like that. 
and uh, making a show for the advertisers for for what the advertisers think the people want instead of making a show for the people you've got this middleman and these advertisers seem to not have a dang clue as to what people actually want because if they were paying attention they'd see that people are watching game of thrones and uh dexter and you know all these other shows that are being put on by these pay channels that are made directly for the fans. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this. Uh, I talked with uh, with Aaron and uh, Eric Berry over on the Starfleet Escape podcast here on the 4 Radio Network, and we talked about how the, the difference between what kind of television you get on network TV compared to pay TV. Yeah. You know, CBS launched their streaming service, and they used Star Trek Discovery as their uh, kind of flagship for their streaming service as a selling point. And it is so much better than any Star Trek that has come before it. And I love Star Trek. I love all the old, even the old cheesy ones. I love Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. Even Voyager was, was pretty good. Enterprise wasn't a huge fan of, which I, which disappointed me because I love Scott Bakula. But um, it was still, it was still good. Um, yeah, it should have been longer. In fact, I think it got canceled prematurely because it was really hitting its stride when it got canceled. So, Isn't that weird when like uh, shows finally? Because I understand when a show comes out, you do a pilot to sell, and then you have to kind of like build your story still. And like it sucks when you finally see the show when it finally hits the ground. Like, oh, they found their footing and they're going in a really cool direction, and then it gets canceled because it doesn't get the chance to go where it needs to go. And you're like, fuck, you know. So yeah, that's always a downer. Definitely like that. Um, but then. And so Discovery comes along and it's, you know, you've got better visual effects, you've got better technology for the, you know, everything and uh, better writing, better, uh, you know, it's it's so inclusive now. Like they, you know, people are, people like to complain about diversity for diversity's sake. I hear that argument all the time and it's so dumb. <laughs> it is so, such a dumb argument. You're not turning down better qualified people just so you can have a person of a different race or a different gender or a different sexuality in that part instead. What you're doing is you're opening yourself up to all of the talent. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? I need a white person for this role and so only these people are going to audition for this role. And so you pick the best actor out of those people. Now you're saying, okay, here's the role. We'll open it up to every damn buddy. And you end up with the best actor for the role. Yeah, it's interesting with that. What, what I thought was speaking of that kind of stuff, the the whole like people, the the bullying with the Twitter and like celebrities leaving some of that. So the the latest one was the the higher they're doing they're doing a, the crossover episode with the the DCW, um, and they're bringing Batwoman into it. And I'm like, that's such a smart idea because it's like people don't care right now about Batman after the DC movies and stuff like that. Uh, Batwoman, it would be cool because you get to finally see this character that you haven't got to see, like fully fleshed out. Like you see her in the comics and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's going to be a kick-ass comic. They they hired this girl, and it looks like they're probably going to do like a, a a a Batwoman television show from on the CW. And I'm like, I'm all for that because after Gotham fucked up the whole mythos of Batman, I would love to see someone being in the Batman universe and get to actually utilize these characters. But she got bullied because they're like. Uh, those are like people are saying okay she is a lesbian and that's who batwoman is in the comics she's a lesbian female and people are like she's not gay enough and i'm like what <laughs> are you kidding me it's like they literally fired on all cylinders because the gross part about her she doesn't have red hair because she wears a wig in the comics 
like she has her normal hair and she puts the wig on and then the mask and stuff. So it's actually it's like it's kind of a smart move because then you're like, oh, we're looking for a redhead. And then she's like, well, I'm I'm polka dot head or something. I don't know. But it, I'm like, but literally, that was your gripe. It's like we did get a woman who is a lesbian and she's a very good actress and stuff. She was actually just in the movie Meg. And everyone's like, oh, OK, yeah. But then it's like a bunch of people's like, she's not gay enough. And I'm like, OK, are we really at that point now that, oh, no, we need to find someone flaming. Get me someone gayer. Do they say that now? It's a little like, they're like, we like this actor or actress. Can we make them gayer? You know me, Marge. I like my beer cold, my TV loud, and my homosexuals flaming. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I just think it's it's weird and stuff. I'm looking forward to that that show if it, if it comes to fruition. I know I'll look forward to that crossover episode when it comes out. That should be pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, I just, it's, it's just weird to me. I'm like, people, just let... Just see what happens, like because everyone does that. Everyone remember, everyone jumps on somebody before they see it, and then it, they see it. They're like, "Oh, okay, that that oh, that's a good Paul." Like, I didn't think like when everyone got on Robert Downey Jr.'s dick when they're like, "Why are they bringing him for Iron Man?" And we're like, "Um, living in the shadow of my father, recovering alcoholic, Playboy." Uh, I believe Tony Stark is uh robert downey jr like they they could have made a better choice and then of course you know he came in and nailed it so yeah like uh, i'm like john and you know john farva he fought for him too yeah like for disney like disney like or not it was before it was disney but like paramount uh who had marvel studios they're like ah we don't know and he's like well then i'm not doing the movie and you could just imagine if they didn't do what they wanted to do, we would have gotten a different director. We would have gotten a different, you know, actor, and we probably would not be where we are today. I mean, it's been ten years of yeah. Marvel universe movies and stuff like that. Um, but I figure we'll close out the show because um, we'll—I don't know if we really talked too much about it, but I know um, Ant Man and the Wasp is going to be coming to Netflix, I believe, in September. Awesome. Towards the end, so I in figure my- <laughs> you can watch that. And then we'll definitely talk about it. Uh, I did see it in theaters. Absolutely loved it. Now, this is the fun part. I was blown away by Ant-Man, the first movie. I was. This is a character I really did not care for. Um, and then they did the, the Scott Lang character. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, Paul Rudd is phenomenal. He is just fucking great in this character. I love, he's just, you like him. You're just like, and you're rooting for him. Because it's like all shit's not going his way, and then he, you know, finally gets a good status, and then even the whole, you know, he meets Captain America, and he's just like, oh my god, it's Captain America! Like, it, it, <laughs> it's it's such a well done character, and then this one they blow it out of the water even more. Like to me, it's like I rarely say like the sequel is better than the original, uh, and I won't say it's like to me with Deadpool two right now. Like they're to me they're on par with each other, and that's great. Like those yeah, are two but, sequels. I'm so far behind. I, I I did see Infinity Wars in theater, um, but the only other movie I saw in theaters this summer was uh, Incredibles two. Um, so I am so far behind. I still haven't seen Solo. I have. Yeah, I didn't see Solo either, and then I I dropped out on a couple uh, of things. Plus, I mean, uh, I I need to catch up on so many of these things. But now they're coming out on digital. I should be able to to catch them and watch them get caught up, and hopefully by the the next time we 
uh, are able to sit down and talk, we can we can delve into some of that stuff too. No, yeah, definitely because I know in October we'll get our last not really Marvel movie. I mean, it is, but it's the it's a new thing. But uh, I'm really interested in the Venom movie after they dropped that second trailer. Finally, I was like, okay, I'm like, why didn't you release this first? Because what you released beforehand it seemed like this is a fan made film, like. And then you finally, like, fleshed it out a little bit more where I'm like, okay, I'm actually, I'm kind of into this. I like how Venom talks, and I like how he says we, and I like it's, yes, don't get me wrong, it's a CGI character, but to me, I'm like, I kind of like that. Because I think with Venom, you really need that, because he is a huge, and they made him big. They made him the huge, like, Venom. He wasn't just like, I'm Topher Grace, like, built in this suit. And don't get me wrong, he looked good, but they fucked up the character, uh, yeah. You know, a Venom, but so so I'm really I'm really interested, and I'm also wondering if they are going to try to tie this into the Spider-Man mythos because you should. Um, but then it's like we have to wait until I believe it's March. We are going to get the Miss uh, Marvel or Captain Marvel, and then in uh, May again we get Part Two of Infinity War. So, um, but Ant Man Ant Man had a great movie. It was fun, and their ending, holy shit, did they end it with a very good thing where you're I've, like where you're, I've, I've heard but i have not it has not been spoiled for me yet so don't you no, know, no i'm not i'm not <laughs> gonna no i'm not gonna spo- not gonna spoil it for you because like when we it's like it, it's one of these movies where it ends and you're like this was fun this was such a great palette cleanser from infinity war after like how that ended and you're like what the fuck like you're like this was fun and then they go through the credits and you're having a you're like oh this is good what's their teaser gonna be and then it does that and you're like oh you son of a bitch like now i gotta wait till mark like it was great so it's it's really like i'm like marvel what are you doing to us (laughs) they're putting us on an emotional roller coaster yeah. Oh, yeah. Infinity War was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I, I was curious how it was going to go with that many characters being brought in, um, especially so close on the heels of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were going to lean heavily on the on the Black Panther characters because those were the most recent. And I was glad that they they didn't as much as I thought they would. Yeah, they did lean pretty heavily on the Black Panther character. Well, I liked it because you had like two different teams uh, fighting. Spoiler alerts if you guys haven't seen Infinity War. It is out on digital things, so if you haven't seen it, go ahead and check it out. Skip over this because we're going to go through a little bit quick on this one. But spoiler alerts, yeah. So I was really – I liked the fact that they had like two different teams going on and like you see how they're trying to stop Thanos. But I love – like I honestly really love that fight in Wakanda. It was so cool. yeah. That, that was fun stuff. Um, and I just love when uh, Thor drops down. And he's just yes. like, bring me Thanos! And then, like, you have uh, you have Bruce Banner's like, oh, you guys are screwed now! Like, that was, like, fantastic. And I just like everyone running in and even, like... And it was cool because how it ended, like, you know how Rocket was trying to avoid, like, the entire thing? He was like, let's get a f- as far away from Thanos as possible. And then he was the only guardian pretty much besides Nebula to survive the the finger snap. And now you're kind of sitting there going like, okay, now Rocket has a reason. Like yep. now he's like, yeah, we got to kill. He's like, we're going to kill Thanos. Like, you know, he's and I'm, I'm really hoping he does something to Tony Stark's suit where he adds something to it. And you're just like, oh, fuck, yeah, because I am <laughs> as much as I and don't get me wrong, as much as I love Thanos, like he was very well done. Uh, Josh Brolin did a fantastic job with that. Uh, fuck I don't know which he had more fun doing is Cable or Thanos because both his renditions of those characters were phenomenal. Like, I can't wait for you to see Deadpool 2. Um, 
but such a great job. But like, even like all that shit, you're just kind of like, I, I can't wait for everyone to hand Thanos's ass in the next film. Like, <laughs> like he's going to get a beat down and I can't wait for that. Yeah. I, uh, Infinity War was great. I, I felt they did use those characters very well, and we got enough of each character without too much of any of them, yeah, or little of any of them. So I thought it was really, really well done. Um, I'm curious. I'm very, very curious to see because you know, again, spoilers. You know, we see Thanos gets all the Infinity Stones in the Gauntlet. He snaps his fingers, and half of everybody in the universe is instantly turned into dust. And um, one thing I found really interesting was that everybody else didn't seem to feel it, but they showed Peter Parker, like, I don't feel so good. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel so good. And it's like, I wonder if that was his uh, spidey sense kicking in. Like, that's the only reason he felt it, as opposed to everybody else just kind of vanished. Yeah, like, that's actually an interesting thing. felt himself that's actually a good point to bring because if you think about it, like he, he the, his spider sense always gives him like a warning before something, and then it gives him a warning. But he's like, I'm not, I, I'm not seeing like there's no, there's nothing happening. Like I don't know. And then, then he kind of, and which is so interesting with uh, Tom Holland with that, he ad libbed that. Oh wow, he ad libbed that performance uh, during that thing, and you're sitting there going like, wow, because if that was just ad lib, that was really well done because it was like this thing, and you could just see. That's what I liked about Spider-Man: Homecoming, where he said the thing where he's like, he's like, um, he's like, I'm out there, I'm putting my life on the line, and stuff like that. He's like, but I don't want you to do that because he's like, I can't, I can't lose you, like kind of thing. I would fail if you failed as a hero. He's like, that's why I'm trying to put you through these trainings and stuff like that. And then it happens, and you can just see how Tony's like, I, I fucked up. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but I, we, I mean, my theories already is going to be, we're probably stuff's going to happen. Characters will come back, but I think we are going to be losing a couple of the, uh, staple characters in the Marvel universe because they're going to be bringing in like the new ones. Um, but I think some people will not be surviving the fight with Thanos. Yeah. My, my theory is that the people who were were dusted, as I call it, um, we're going to see them come back somehow, but then some of them might be killed in the fight, but the ones that were killed before the dusting mm-hmm. are probably going to stay dead. Yeah. Which, I don't, yeah, we don't think Loki is coming back. Loki and Gamora. Um, I don't think we're going to see them again, unfortunately, especially for Gamora. Loki's always just a fun character. Just oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Loki's Tom Hilson does it. A... I mean, other than his own, which he's always on, but you never know what side he's on. Oh yeah. I, I fucking love him, especially in like, Thor Ragnarok, like, such a great, like, movie, you know, and stuff, and just how they built that little bit of, like, you know, more backstory between the two, because even's like, I know you're not going to change, Loki. I need but, safe passage through the anus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, all that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's such a... He's gone, for sure, and Gamora's gone, for sure, and um, we know that both, uh, uh, what's his name, Captain America, one of the Chris's. Yeah, Chris uh, Evans, he's probably not going to return... Chris Evans and uh, Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. That they're pretty much done with their characters. So the question is, are they going to kill them off or are they going to just have them go away for a while? Um, Um, Well, it could be. Well, you never know. I mean, with the Marvel Universe and all this stuff like put in now with the Infinity Gauntlet, the only my theory is with the Infinity Gauntlet is they're probably going to be able to get the time stone and they're probably going to try to go back in time to reverse stuff because – 
I have a feeling that what Doctor Strange told him where he's like, there is one where we do win. And I think that's why it ended like it did. He's like, it's like, it's going to cost us a big hit, but in the end, it's going to work like kind of thing. So it's one of those kind of, it's that he did something to the time stone. Like he put some, like cast some sort of spell or something Mm -hmm. on it before giving it over. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to play. I, that's my theory. I'm just basing that just on my own. I'm, I haven't read anything. I've I've actually never actually read any of the Infinity War comics, so I don't know what happened in the comic side of things in the Infinity War. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's my theory: is that he did something to the Time Stone before handing it over that's going to allow him to either regain control of it or still somehow use it, even though Thanos has it. So and, well, and they're going to use that to, you know get back um and then obviously you know captain marvel's going to play some sort of part in that as well well yeah because captain marvel's kind of like their version of like superman yeah so but uh my theory also is too is like something with the time stone but i also think like i think maybe each character like when they're going to fight thanos like once they get if they get the gauntlet or whatnot i think each hero is going to get a, a gem and I think it, what's going to happen is maybe Bruce Banner gets the power gem, and that's when Hulk kind of gets his like, okay, let's let's rock, and he's just going to pound the fuck out of Thanos. Um, <laughs> but I think I think the real thing with uh, actually the Hulk, what they were talking about, because everyone thought like maybe he had the yips, you know, like he's scared, he doesn't want to fight Thanos, but it turned out to be more of like Hulk only is able to come out when something bad's going on. But after being on the planet where he was like a hero. And people loved him, like for fighting and everything that he ha- had that joy. So I think this is going to be a change with the Bruce Canner, Bruce Banner character, where I think that him and Hulk are going to have that medium, where it's like, no, you can come out and not just have to fight. And I think this is where they're going to kind of quote unquote develop like the Gray Hulk, where he he was big and the Hulk, but he also had the the intelligence still of Bruce Banner. So it's it's going to be interesting where this where the Marvel universe is, is going to be taken. But uh, yeah, once once you watch Ant Man the Wasp, uh, we'll we'll dive into that some more, and we'll and also Deadpool two if you get a chance to check that out. Which I got to rewatch it. I'll be seeing it for the third time because they have the super duper cut, and there's a lot of good stuff. I already saw one scene. I was just like, oh, this is great. So, uh, but yeah, but I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Longbox Cast. All right. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give a quick plug. Oh yeah, go right to, ahead uh, to Comicare again. Uh, Comicare is a, for those who don't know, we are a charitable organization. What we do is we deliver comics to kids in the hospital. Um, we come in there with uh, some really fantastic cosplayers and uh, personalities who come in and, and uh, deliver the comics to the kids. It brightens up their day. You know, they're stuck in a the hospital. They're sick. You know, some of them are um, even terminal, but even kids are just in there for, you know, like a couple of days or whatever. It still sucks to be in the hospital. Yeah. I mean, as an adult, it sucks, but especially as a kid. Um, and so we go in there and, and just brighten up their day, give them a, a reason to smile, even though they're, they're not, you know, that's, 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 we always say we're paid in smiles. Like we go in there and we see those kids light up when they see Iron Man walk in and hand them a stack of comic books or Spider-Man walks in and hands them a, a stack of comic books. Um, but we do uh, take donations, um, both of comic books themselves, although we are very well stocked right now on comic books. So um, right now for comics, we're really only asking for donations. If you have something like a, a special run, of a storyline or something like that that you really want to share 
with someone like you really think like this is a good starting point for somebody to get into comics and it's like you know a five or six issue run of of something like mm-hmm. a story arc that you want to share specifically like we definitely welcome that because we would love to be able to give kids complete storylines and be like here you go here's you know whatever uh storyline this is and you know we, we love that kind of stuff we're not just taking you know um you know we'll, we'll, we'll take anything but uh, what we really want are the the things like that that are special, that are unique. Um, We've got tons of books. Books are no problem whatsoever. You can definitely help out, though, by spreading the word. Um, we are at Comicare.org on the web. We're on Facebook at Comicare. We're on Twitter at Comicare. We're on uh, Instagram at, Tumblr, at, uh, at Comicare as well. Um, I think it's Comicare.org on, uh, on Instagram. But, uh, you know, like us, follow us, tweet us, uh, share us. That kind of stuff helps a lot getting the word out. If you uh, are in the Phoenix area and you have a, a loved one, a, a child or a nephew or uh, anything like that in the hospital and you think they could benefit from a visit, definitely reach out through the website or through one of the social media channels and uh, see if we can't. Sometimes we're able to just schedule those visits. Um, you know, A lot of times it takes... Yeah, we, we have different visits at different times, but sometimes people request specifically, like, hey, my kid's in the hospital, you know, he's got pneumonia, he's uh, going to be stuck there for like five days. Do you think you can come by this weekend? And a lot of times we're able to put together stuff fast and, and do it. Not always, I can't guarantee it, but we do try. No, and, and, and it, it can help us out is uh, we do accept donations because uh, unfortunately, it is charity, but it is not completely free. We do have to to pay for gas to to get to the hospitals. We have to pay for maintenance on the the costumes. You know, we put a lot of wear and tear on these guys' costumes, especially Iron Man's costume. It's a it's a, a three or four thousand dollar costume that he wears, and every time he wears it is it puts wear and tear on that costume. And it break. You know, there's only so many times that these costumes can be worn. Um, our Spider Man is a really fantastic suit that. Um, has to be made specially for him and then has to be airbrushed specially for him to 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 have the bright contours and everything for it to be as good as it is. And they wear out. It's it's lycra, it's spandex, it stretches and you know, so every wear is uh is wear on it. So uh we make sure that our cosplayers are taken care of as far as um, you know, we don't we don't pay anybody in the organization a salary, but we do need uh some money to to keep things running because we we have to to buy boxes to store books we have to pay for gas and costume repairs and things like that and um, we do accept donations via paypal you can uh, email uh, if you use the email donate at comicare.org you can send us uh, money via paypal and uh, we definitely would appreciate it because that helps keep us going and keep us uh, able to to continue doing and uh, spread out um you know, we've we've been able to go from just being in the Phoenix metro area only to being able to do visits in Flagstaff and Tucson um, and even Las Vegas because we've had the money to be able to, to pay for that gas, to pay for those trips, to go out there and do those things. So um, if you have the ability to, to donate, uh, we would definitely appreciate it. If you do not, then uh, just share us, like us, follow us, do all that fun stuff. Um, and we will continue making kids smile. Uh, you know, we, we always say your comics, their smiles. Um, that's what it is. We, we take those comic donations and we, we 
get them into the hands of kids who want to have them. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a it's a great cause, and I would even say even uh, I would say even on Instagram, follow them on Instagram because some of the pictures they post and stuff of that you get to see all you get to see the smiles on these children and these like these cosplayers and like everything they do, and it's just there's nothing better than being in the hospital and being visited by like a superhero you absolutely love. Walk in and be like, oh, it's Iron Man, and he's handing me Iron Man comics, and maybe these kids have never even read an Iron Man comic; they just know him from you know, the movies and stuff like that is, or like Supergirl or Wonder Woman and like all these like cool, like, and we have like so many great people like AZ Tony Stark. And I, I don't know the other guy's name cause I've never really met him, but I seen him in his picture, but the guy who plays like the Spider-Man, holy yeah, shit. Spider-Man. Does, yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Does that kid look like the real, like Tom Holland? It's yeah, yeah, fucking we nuts. Two, we have two guys who do Spider-Man, uh, but the, the kid who does Spider-Man, I think he goes by AZ Peter Parker. If you look him up, um, and then I'm pretty sure our other Spider-Man, Jeff, is uh, AZ Spider-Man, if I'm not mistaken. But he also does. Uh, he does not only Spider-Man. But he does. A, he has an amazing Kylo Ren. Um, he's oh. got some uh, some other Star Wars stuff. I, I think but. K-Suit up and running. So he's got a Stormtrooper suit uh, now going. And he's done other stuff, too. So he's uh, well-rounded as well. And then uh, if you look up uh, Gordon's get-ups is our Captain America. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic as well. Um, and we've had a couple of, a couple of people doing uh, Wonder Woman for us. And um, uh, it's it, you could check them all out. Again, it, you go to comiccare.org, and then if you click on that team link, you can see a lot of the, the cosplayers. We, we only work with the best of the best, and not just – the costumes. We're not just looking for people with good costumes because anybody can buy a good costume. A lot of people can make good costumes. We only work with the best when it comes to the personalities. When they come in, that they have that charitable mindset, that they have that that they're donating their time and their efforts to this cause without any ulterior motive. You know, they're not there to plug their you know side business of uh, like like Gordon's getups, for example. He does costumes for other people as well. He sells costumes. You won't hear that from him on a hospital visit. He's not going to yeah, tell you, hey, I can make you a costume, just here, here's my business card. No, not when he's on a hospital visit. Yeah, he's and there. Any other time, yeah. On that, Facebook, hit him up on Twitter, you can get the lowdown, absolutely, and do it because he's great. He makes fantastic costumes. But you're not going to hear about it on a hospital visit. That's, you're going to be hearing about, you know, you plug in like, hey, I could do your birthday party for 500 bucks. You know, you're not going to hear that when they're visiting. Yeah, when they're doing the charity work, they're doing the charity work, and that is it. And that is what makes them so fantastic. Because because we get a lot of inquiries from other cosplayers saying, "Hey, I, I really want to to do this too." And some of them are are completely legit, like they really have that mindset and they want to get in on it. Mm-hmm. Others are like, "Hey, this would be really good for my resume." Basically, like it would be, it would look good on my uh, you know cosplay uh, portfolio to have some charity work in there. And yeah. Well, that's great and everything. That's not what we're we're looking for. Just a small group of people that stick with us and do do it with us all the time. Um, there are tons of other charity organizations that do costume work, like the AZ Avengers and uh, the AZ Justice League, or I think it's Justice League Arizona. I think is what it's called. They do charity work and stuff as well. So if you're a cosplayer looking to get into charity work, I would check those guys out. Um, I know the uh, what is it, the five hundred first, the Star Trek, our Star Wars guys. Um, do charity uh, work as well. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. If you're, if you're into that kind of stuff, 
they'll 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 take a wider range of people because they do different they do all sorts of different events and stuff. We are very very focused on just delivering comics to kids in hospitals. We'll make some appearances sometimes at a few other things to spread our message, like like at Comic Con for example. We're there to spread the message and and help get donations to to give comics to kids in hospitals. Um, we've done a couple of like charity races and stuff where we've had a table set up for people to check it out. Again, we're not doing it for that purpose. We're doing it to just spread awareness for our main mission. And our main goal is to put comics into the hands of kids in the hospital. And that's, you know, we, we've maintained that kind of laser focus on that particular mission since our inception. And that's, that's what we want to continue doing. Um, because when you spread yourself too thin, start to run and do all sorts of other stuff, then, you, you lose sight of that original focus and you're not able to do it as well. And we don't want that. There's tons of other groups that do birthday parties. There's tons of other groups that just show up to your, that your store opening. There's tons of other groups that do all those sorts of things that'll show up for, you know, for, for, for the zoo at Halloween, you know, or something like that. We are focused on just doing this, the, the comic books and the hospital visits. That's it. So we, we want to maintain that focus and that's it. So, um, like I said, we get a lot of inquiries from from cosplayers looking to join up. We've got a really solid team right now. We're not looking to add to that as of right this moment. Um, but we're definitely, you know, let us know what you do and what you're about, and, and we'll, we'll take a look. And if in the future we have uh, an opening or something like that, you know, we're on the lookout. But uh, mostly what we're looking for right now is to spread awareness of our organization and the work we do. And of course, to get those donations, the comic books, and the and and any money that we can get to uh, to keep things going. Well, that I love that cause, and I love everything about it. So yeah, go ahead and check out uh, comiccare.org. And uh, Eric, before we sign out, if people want to listen to any other shows that you're on or follow you on the Instagrams and stuff like that, where can they find you? Uh, well, I am on Instagram at Eric J Dewey. I post infrequently, but I'm there. Uh, same same handle on Twitter, although you'll probably just see my Instagram posts um, and my and my untapped check-ins. Uh, they usually they, they think they go to Twitter as well. <laughs> nice. So you can see what beer I'm drinking that night. Uh, I might I might be checking into a uh, what do we got? A six point six point brewery uh, binary IPA with citra hops. Um, that might be might be on the agenda for this evening. Uh, we'll see. You know, follow my Twitter to find out uh, if that's what I ended up drinking because you'll have to go back a few days. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting we're not doing a live show right now. Oh no, you're uh, good. But uh, yeah, you can definitely check out. Uh, all of the shows on the Four Eyed Radio Network are awesome. You can check us out at foureyedradio.com. Uh, again, Four Eyed Radio on Facebook. Uh, Four Eyed, it's Four Eyed Radio Network on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at the Sasquatch Net. On Instagram, it's at Four Eyed Radio. And uh, that's a way that you can see all the shows. But uh, specifically, I'm uh, a common guest host on Starfleet Escape Podcast, where we start, talk Star Trek news and uh, stuff like that. We did an entire series on each episode of discovery so if you are catching up on discovery if you're just getting into it and you want to hear our takes on it definitely go back and check out those episodes and we will be talking about season two when it comes out here shortly so um i definitely recommend that and then my other pet project which i haven't had a new episode out for a little while hopefully we'll be getting a new one in the can in the next few weeks i'm hoping fingers crossed um, the Crichton cast, where we talk about all things Michael Crichton and his books and the movie adaptations of them. Um, 
we've done several episodes and you can go and pick and choose. We didn't number them. We didn't put them in a, any particular type of sequence. So you can just go to crichtoncast.com and uh, pick any episode to listen to. And we're just talking about that particular uh, movie and book combo. And you can listen to them in any order you want. They're, they're posted in the chronological order that we did them in, but you can listen to them in any order you want. There's no, there's no uh, need to start at one and go to another one if you don't want to. So just jump in. If you're like, you want to hear us talk about Jurassic Park, just jump right into Jurassic Park. That's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking of which, i got to get Steven uh, back on SAS at a certain point, too. I know he's been busy like doing a lot of stuff. So, um, But, yeah, so I want to thank you again, Eric, for uh, taking some time out of your uh, – weekend to record an episode of long box cast and uh if i don't see you before then i will see you sometime soon in this month in a few weeks yeah we'll be we'll be live in studio for the first time since may of last year it was the last time we were in a studio together doing a show when when i came out to phoenix for not this year's phoenix comic-con but last year's phoenix comic-con so it's been uh, it'll be almost a year and a half yeah that's been a uh, while you're in you're in a year and a quarter, basically, since uh since we've been in the same room together. So Yeah, yeah. Miss you, man. I miss you. I know it's it's gonna be fun. Don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna have a blast. We're gonna we're gonna talk a lot of different stuff. We're gonna it's gonna be hopefully a lot easier because we can actually see each other and be like, Oh, is he is he gonna oh, we didn't cut out? Okay. <laughs> so uh but I do I do like doing these Skype episodes. That's the only drawback of it. Sometimes it, it does that little cutout thing and then you're like, wait, is he still talking or did he stop talking? Did I stop talking or or whatever not? But yeah, so you'll get ready for that and we'll probably do another jam packed episode of Longbox Cast. Uh hopefully we'll try to get these back up and running. I know I'm I'm working with Sarah because we might be doing some of them down at the, uh her shop, uh, a comic book shop. So we might be able to get some plugs there and whatnot. But that's going to wrap up this episode of the Longbox Cast. I want to thank again Eric Dewey for stopping by and talking some Luke Cage with us because you opened my eyes to some new points I didn't even think about. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, and yeah, I think that's that's about all I got. So uh, until next, uh, I'm trying to. I haven't done Longbox Cast in a while, so I'm trying to remember how to close the show. And I think it's uh, Longbox Cast. Too many issues for a short box. Excelsior. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I try to show the X-Men, but I think they're maybe racist Just because I'm human, they don't want my help It seems it doesn't really matter if your superpowers fire to the melt I try to join the Justice League, but Batman was a douche to me And Black Canary wouldn't tell me hi And plastic measures to a middle finger that was 30 stories high This has been another fine production of the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, check out www.4iradio.com. Now, Eric, what we like to do sometimes at the end of my shows is we like to give them the quote-unquote Marvel ending, where we give a little spoiler, or not spoiler, but we we just randomly talk at the end of the show. I don't even know if people listen to this, but... uh, a <laughs> little little teaser. Little teaser. Just we usually have something we said that was funny. Um, actually, no. I have a new. You have a new nickname. Uh, we came up with it last night, and people get to hear about it. So we're playing Super Fight, uh-huh. and I put down a card that was a Yeti <laughs> wielding a lightsaber, pretty much the oh, lightsaber that Kylo Ren had. And then okay. Matthew's going, "No, there's no way a Yeti can have a lightsaber. He's not a a Jetty." And we're like, "Oh." 
Yeti Jedi is a is a Jetty. <laughs> so if you want a new Halloween costume this year, you could be a Jetty. All right, I'll need to need to scour my local spirit stores for a <laughs> for an abominable snowman outfit. I have a lightsaber, so I just need the abominable snowman outfit. Figure out a way to put a robe around it, <laughs> <laughs> and you are set. So look forward to Jetty this Halloween. <laughs> 